This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, January 22nd, 2008. I'm Caleb Brown. Humans aren't purely rational. That insight probably comes as no surprise to most people, but just how rational do humans have to be for the marketplace to function well? Michael Shermer tackles that and other questions in The Mind of the Market, Compassionate Apes, Competitive Humans, and Other Tales from Evolutionary Economics. We spoke following a book forum January 11th. You know, in reading your book, it reminded me of some conversations that I've had with people. There's a sort of gotcha that people like to play, especially among those who have some sort of hostility toward capitalism, the coldness of it. When they get wind that humans are not purely rational, that much of our decision-making is spurred by emotional responses rather than our calculating mind, your book is filled with examples of it. But that whole irrational choice theory does have a lot of currency with people. Mm-hmm. Could you respond to that? Mm-hmm. Well, um, the fact that we're emotional in our decisions doesn't mean we shouldn't at least try to make rational decisions. And uh, uh, the one part of the, the book that I rather enjoyed writing was the section on libertarian paternalism. This is uh, Dick Thaler's idea, Cass Sunstein's idea of of um, when you give people a choice, say you're a, a, a corporation and you get to give your employees a choice of health care plans to pick from or retirement plans to choose from, um, well, you can't give them an infinite number. And so why not give them, paternalistically speaking, the you know six best plans that there are out there as judged by you and your experts that you've hired to, to uh, advise you on that? And then they can freely pick. So in a way, I guess when we structure society, we do it uh, such that we want to maximize freedom and free choice, and yet we can't provide every single choice in the universe. So we we paternalistically pick and choose, and I like to th- we like to think that the markets kind of help that along in a huge way. Um, so while it doesn't it doesn't debunk free market capitalism, in fact that we're irrational, we just work around it. There is also this idea that you talk about a little bit, uh, how our brains can be primed by words and phrases. Now, pollsters have been aware of this for for, mm-hmm. for quite a while, uh, which is why politicians employ it a great deal and other people who like to market to us also do. But it has some implications for public policy. If a decision that we can make can be influenced by little key phrases, a you know, ringing bell or something, there are some people who would like to claim, well, we need to clamp down on the manner in which people are marketed to when they make decisions about what they buy out in public. Right. Well, we obviously can't do that because there's hundreds of social influences and psychological influences from our upbringing, from our parents, our peer groups, our teachers and mentors, our society, television, the media, and so on. Uh, How could you possibly control all those paternalistically? You can't. So it's better to just recognize it as a as a problem and control it yourself i mean once you know that you're being influenced this way um you you can rise above that i mean you can you don't have to respond in the the way that they want you to and uh i i think it that's just the only that's the best way to deal with it is just know about it and now we have a lot of information about that no different than you would you know, if you want to lo- learn how to lose weight, you read books about diet, and well, why why does this happen? You learn the cause of obesity, and you avoid that, and uh, and the same thing with you know making shopping choices or whatever, and you know knowing that there's going to be these kinds of different influences. So what? So that just makes you more of an informed shopper. Well, there is a related issue 
which you also talk about, which is confirmation bias, the yes. idea that we sort of, uh, in many ways, seek out information that confirms our already uh, held beliefs in the world we live in now, where there is an increasingly wide variety of media that we can expose yes. ourselves to. This podcast, produced by a libertarian think tank, yes. is an example of that. That would seem to be a growing problem. What do you think of that? Yes, well, it's true. Uh, um, but again, knowing that I should be cautious about the commitments I've made to certain belief systems or causes um, is influenced by the confirmation bias where I'm going to, after the fact, look for evidence that fits my commitment or belief. Um, that doesn't make it right or wrong. That's just a description of a process that happens um, in our beliefs, and it's good to know about, and it's good, therefore, for me to seek out critical feedback on um, my beliefs, which is why authors like myself, you know, we, we respect the peer review system. That's the whole point of the scientific peer reviewed system is to avoid the confirmation bias, because you will do it, but somebody else will debunk you uh, gladly in, in, with great glee, usually because it's a competitive enterprise. So therefore, you have to be cautious and careful and watch out for those things. There have to be sometimes when people, when researchers extrapolate from one science to another where things go wrong, where they're encouraged to actually adopt a conclusion that is false. And it seems like, given the wide variety of biology and uh, evolutionary quirks in the world around us, that that might occur in this field. Where do researchers go wrong when they try to make these types of extrapolations in the types of things you talk about? Well, in evolutionary economics, it's not a perfect parallel uh, comparison because... Uh, biology is Darwinian and culture is uh, Lamarckian. That is, we, we don't have genes constraining our change over time. We can do it much more quickly just through cultural change. And so it's not clear what exactly is the corresponding unit of selection in economics. Is it you know the products or corporations or whatever? And I think it's a variety of things, actually. And uh, But what I'm after is something... Um, deeper in terms of trying to understand why people are trading in the first place in a manner that they are, that is cooperating and, the, and that sort of thing, and how markets can be moral because of our evolved psychology. One of your early experiments that you talked about was uh, with rats and sugar solutions, and you had named, oh, yes. you had named the roster of rats for the, the Dodgers uh, <laughs> yes. that year. Uh -huh. But the insight that you made, you said, was a pretty ordinary insight that the more variables that are attached to a choice, the less predictable that behavior, the less predictable that behavior becomes. You know, that has to have huge implications for public policy and would, you know, seem to confirm the idea that we need to uh, have as many choices as possible for the benefit of the very highly variable nature of choice. Yes. Yeah, there are these um, the psychological studies showing that uh, you know there, there's too many choices. Well, what do you mean by too many? Well, you know people get overwhelmed by say the number of toothpastes or whatever. Well, it's a nice problem to have, uh, considering that through 99% of history there were no, not many choices at all. And uh, so yes, while it's true, it uh, it it can confuse us and stymie us and our choices or complicate our choices, having too many choices, whatever that means. Uh, but as opposed to what? Simply restricting the number of toothpaste brands we're going to allow as a society? Well, we're never going to do anything like that. That would be insane. So um, knowing that there's certain principles about 
you know, how you walk down an aisle and pick certain things, for example, recognize brands and, you know, commitments you've already made to a particular shampoo or whatever, simply because you're used to it, that those are going to influence us. Well, that's just the way it is. Then as a shopper, an informed shopper, you should know about those things. Michael Shermer is author of the book, The Mind of the Market. This is the Cato Daily Podcast, a full Cato forum on Dr. Shermer's book is available for viewing at our website, cato.org.